he is risen. And the response is he is risen indeed. But this morning, we're going to change that up a little bit. And we're going to say we are risen. This is actually, I believe, much more the message of the New Testament is about the resurrection of all things, not the resurrection of a single person who gets to be the hero of the story. And this is um, a really big difference in the way we think about things. But I I think it's going to make a lot of sense to you if you start tuning into what your experience has been with Christ. So think about your experience with spirituality, with faith, with God, and see if it doesn't resonate with that and stay more consistent with those parts of your story uh, than does the single soul. And Christ is risen. That's the story. So let me uh, illustrate this a little bit uh, for all of us. And uh, by, uh, first of all, telling you, obviously, the sermon title is The Resurrection of All Things. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, but I want to talk about a, a, you know, a couple of paintings, ancient paintings um, that took place uh, uh, roughly um, shortly after the schism, the Great Schism, <clears throat> and beyond that. There have been paintings all throughout uh, the period of time from that point up until uh, <clears throat> uh, as of recent. So. Um, there's a scholar named John Dominic Crossan, who is a Catholic, a priest, and New Testament scholar who traveled quite a bit to Istanbul over the years. And he had this, it hit him like a ton of bricks, where he started to see a difference between the paintings of the resurrection from the East and those from the West. Let me explain briefly what the East and West are. So think of Eastern Europe, think of Western Europe. That's a starting point, the East and the West. Where did that begin? in terms of the, the splitting off of the Catholic versus the Orthodox. Uh, and, and it took place at the Great Schism back in 1054, where a thousand, you know, this is a thousand years after Christ, uh, the and the West both excommunicate each other and set up their own popes. <laughs> so you have the, the Catholic tradition, you have the Orthodox tradition. And, um, and they had their own iconography, their own art, uh, art their own paintings, their own theology. Uh, not entirely dis- but uh, but different in some ways and some distinct ways. Let me show you um, what that looks like. I'm going to share my screen with you. So can you see, let me see if I can enlarge the image here. Can you all see this image? Yeah? Not if you can. Okay, good. It's large enough. So just look at this for a moment, because I'm going to ask you to compare it to the other, um, which is uh, from the, this is from the West. So this is Western Europe. And now this is from the east, Eastern part. Uh, so um, Turkey, Istanbul, that area. Uh, this is where um, John Dominic Crossan saw and looked at the distinction, and he had never seen it before, and it hit him. So I'm going to scroll back up. Look at this again. And then scroll back down. And if you would put in the chat, what do you notice as different? What is different from these two? See if you can pick up a little bit of what hit John like a ton of bricks and said, wow, 
I have never seen this before, and then began to write about it and wrote a book called Resurrecting Easter. I like that title. Love, love, love that title. Um, again, put in the chat what you notice as different between these two. Again, we're not making an argument for which one is better. Uh, in terms of theology, I think it's what's perhaps missing <laughs> that we can learn from each other, uh, particularly from, you know, those who uh, think differently than us or from another viewpoint. The same thing, you know, we need viewpoints from, um, from different perspectives that are helpful to us. Okay, so I'm going to stop this share. And uh, see what you put into in the chat. Um, skin color, okay, excellent, sure. It's remarkable how our Jesus of today is rather pale. <laughs> in America, that is um, a pale-skinned dude, you know, uh, fair, very. Fair. Uh, but again, this was Italian, you know, uh, iconography. Um, whereas once you got to more of the Eastern, sure, things get darker, uh, more reflective of perhaps the actual skin tone of Jesus, which would have been, you know, as a Palestinian Jew, a bit of a darker olive kind of color skin. Uh, Jen, you put God is with us versus God above. I love that. Yes, I'm going to tease that out. <clears throat> Jesus with, second picture. Yep, exactly. Halos, okay. Uh, incarnation is Christ glorified. Ah, yeah, you're stealing my good stuff, Jen. Thank you. Um, the second Jesus is lifting up others. Yes, yes. Dang, you guys are good. They're trying to lure him away and he's being pulled in both directions. Yeah, well, that's actually, that's actually a good insight, Patty. Um, yeah, yeah, so good. You guys really did, did well on this. Yes, so John's like epiphany is he sees this and says, wait, wait difference. One has Jesus as the hero, and the other one has Jesus as actually lifting others up, like raising up all things, right? Um, and then when you look at scripture, it through that lens, again, we need sometimes shifts in the way we see more. Just as, have you ever gone like, I'm going to go buy, like, a, you see a car, and you're like, oh, I got it. I love this car. I'm going to buy it. I've never seen it anywhere, right? And you buy that car, and then what happens after that? You see it everywhere, right? You're like, how come I didn't see this? You start to see it in, in different places. Uh, it's perspective. It's what we're able to see. And so once you see this image and you see the image of Christ raising up all things, now you start to see verses that you've never seen before speak to you. In different um, so let's, um, let's take a look first. Let's start off with the traditional passage, which I think would be good for us to, um, to reread. And then um, we'll go to those passages that have to do with the resurrection of all things. At Matthew uh, 27, start in Matthew 27. And we're going to read the resurrection um, story. We're first going to go at verse 50 because this is the resurrection. This gives us a hint. Matthew is the only one to include this part of the story uh, of the death of Jesus and then the resurrection. But look at this. Verse 50, chapter 27, I cried out again, 
in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Okay, you're with me so far. This is the death. This is Jesus dying. This is not the resurrection yet. But look what happens. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had, been, who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the and appeared to many people. Why does Matthew throw this in there? So the tombs are broken open, and many are raised to life. They come out of their tombs after Jesus's resurrection. Um, let's jump to chapter 28 and um, read uh, the story of the resurrection. Verse 20, uh, verse 1 of 28, after the Sabbath at dawn. So this is not on Saturday. Sabbath is Saturday. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Friday evening into Saturday. Um, and uh, this is at dawn on the first day of the Sunday morning. Um, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. And tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. All right. That's the, the story. Um, let's look at a couple verses um, <clears throat> that um, illustrate this idea of the resurrection of all things. Um, um, well, first of all, let me, let me do this. Let me uh, paint the picture of um, the ancient way of seeing um, things like the resurrection of Christ. So there's the resurrection of Jesus that's from the West, okay? And the resurrection that's from the East. You've, right, you're with me? The resurrection from the West, Jesus glorified, people worshiping him. From the East, Jesus resurrecting all people, okay? So in the ancient world, you got your greatness by association. So greatness by association and then greatness by imitation, okay? Greatness by association meant that your greatness came from your ancestors who passed that on to you. Conversely, shame came passed on to you all your ancestors. So if your ancestors weren't really good, that came down and you carried that in the ancient world. It wasn't, a, it wasn't individual, you know, uh, American mindset. It was like, who are, whose son are you? That was the question. So every time you see Thing, B-E-N something, it means son of. <laughs> so it was, you're the son of so-and-so, you're the son of so-and-so, you're the son of so-and-so. Who's your, who, what, what's your ancestry? That was a common question. And that's the reason why you see 
stories in the Bible. It has to do with where do you come from? What are you, what's coming through you and being passed on to you? Goodness or evil, you know, shame or glory. You know, well, my father was Abraham, you know, and that's it. They would refer to Abraham was their, you know, great, 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 great grandfather. It was still um, son of Abraham or in the descendancy in as a child of his a seed that came from Abraham. And I carry his glory with me. So greatness. By Secondly, the other way that it was done was by who you hung around with. So in the ancient world, you hung around with people that were richer than you and people that were uh, had more prestige than you so that you could gain some of that. That's how you get it because you worked hard enough for it. There was no upward mobility. There was no none of this. It was I hung out with Jesus. I hung out with uh, this sage, this teacher, this rabbi, this philosopher. I'm part of this group. Greatness by association. Okay, and so this idea of I'm hanging out with Jesus was the idea of in, in the Western iconography is we're great because of our association to one who is the hero of the story. Problem is, Jesus wasn't the hero of the story. Jesus was another failed Messiah. That's the biblical narrative. Is that a surprise to any of you? Jesus is a failed Messiah, according to the New Testament. <laughs> Some of you are like, what are you, what are you talking? No, no, that's actually true. That's actually how it is. So every other Messiah had been crucified and his followers were disbanded. That had happened dozens of times before Jesus. Jesus is not the first Messiah to show up. If you read ancient history, Josephus and others who write about this, plenty of them came. Plenty of them were executed by Rome and their followers disbanded. What happened to Jesus? Is there anything different? A defensive, like, well, wait, 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 he was resurrected. Exactly. That's absolutely right. He was. The thing, though, is that as far as his followers were concerned, as far as, as, far as everyone else is concerned, nothing in the physical or material changed by his resurrection. Right? Name one thing that changed in the physical, practical world of the first century because Jesus was resurrected. Now, I'm not talking about 300 years later when Christianity became talking about the first century within their lifetime. Nothing materially, physically changed. So as far as every from the outside perspective, he's a failed Messiah. So no one would have associated themselves with a failed Messiah on purpose by association would not have been their, their way of actually doing this if Jesus was a failed Messiah, which he was by the standards of, you know, the appearance of did he actually free physically from oppression? The answer is no. He didn't come and deliver like the prophecies that said he would, but yet he did. And that's the great paradox. The great paradox is that he actually did set people free. So in a different way, he did so by resurrecting us from the inside, by transforming us, by dealing with things like uh, unforgiveness, by dealing with greed, by dealing with the true evils that actually oppress us far more than the oppressive systems of government. If you think of today, right, we're, we're complaining, we complain because, oh, I don't like the way things 
freedom. You know, there's been a lot of yelling and shouting about freedom in the last few years. Like, we want our freedom. We don't want to be told what to do. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all these externals where for Jesus, it was these things aren't these things are peripheral. They're not the issue. There's a disease that I'm addressing and the disease much deeper. That's actually calling it causing oppression for all of us, which are things like unforgiveness, the inability to release someone else from the harm that they have caused you. The inability to actually truly bless them and want good for them, even though they have harmed Which is why Jesus invites us to pray these prayers of blessing over those who have harmed us. Can you actually say that right now? In this moment, God, I ask you to bless these people. I ask you to bless this person in my life. Really bless them. My prayers used to be, God, I pray that you would bless them by convicting them of their sin and showing them how wrong they are. <laughs> that's that's a prayer that's like, it justifies me because I did pray for them. I did pray blessing on the terms that they actually repent and change and become, you know, become more like me or something. But, um, <clears throat> but the forgiveness, but the blessing is no, bless them, bless them. May abundance come towards them even though they have harmed me, <clears throat> right? These are the deeper evils. Greed, the withholding, even to the degree of like, I know someone else is suffering, but I've got And Jesus addresses that. These are the deeper rooted evils that oppress all of us. And so in that sense, Jesus is not a failed Messiah. He is one who has succeeded. But this is the this is the difference, right? So this is the so this is greatness by association. We're talking about I associate with Christ, I associate with Jesus, and I'm gonna be great. Whoops, wait, he's going in the different direction I don't like. He's going in a direction of actually dying on the cross. And I'm not sure I want to do that. That's not greatness, that's shameful. Um, to die on a cross was the utter form, the greatest form of shame. And in that, those days, current, the currency really was honor shame. I mean, much more than money. It was like, you're on. They did anyways. The disciples said, well, we're going to associate with one who has uh, become shameful in the eyes of a lot of people. Because what he has done has been to set us free from here. And our transformation's real. And because of that, now we can... There's this, this resurrection life that's come from within. So the second one is association or greatness by imitation. Greatness by imitation. And this is where we get to Colossians. Um, chapter 1, verse 19. And Paul says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things to reconcile to himself all things i want you to say that with me to reconcile to him me all things not some things not reconcile people i like not reconcile um just some things in life but to reconcile physical dimensions, nature, to reconcile even that to himself. Now, where would I say nature? Is that also scriptural? Very much so. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, even nature itself groans for its 
all of it, the entire thing, the globe, all of it groans for its redemption, for its fullness, for the sons of God to rise up into who they're supposed to be, because all of it is being redeemed and all of it is crying out. Both are true. It's being redeemed and it's crying out for its full redemption. I love the final verse in Revelation 21, the, the final, chap, final um, two chapters here of Revelation. John says this in verse one, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Way every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Really good, but that sounds futuristic. How many of you have heard this and thought of it as being something that John is speaking about that's way off in the future? Right? Have you, have you not? If you've, that's been true, right? It's been true that it's been in the future, right? But I want you to look at the very next verse, verse five. John says this He who was seated on the throne said, I, everything new. Present tense. Did you catch that? I am, present tense, making all things new. All things new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. That's a way of putting a big old stamp on that statement saying, a big exclamation mark, a big affirmation of this is absolute. I am. Imagine if that was our perspective on the world today. <clears throat> Imagine if our, our perspective was not look at how bad you are. Look at how much work you have to be, have, have to do on yourself. Look at how much, look at how much is not working in this world. This is sort of like, Pride. Have you noticed this? Is it sort of like pride in being able to point out what's broken in the world? <laughs> it's like, I know it's broken. That's broken. And we call it out. And there's like a, a sense of pride in, in having called it out the right way. You know, this is, the, this is the right perspective. I'm right. And there's this sense of moral, you know, uh, just a, a sense of being better, I guess, uh, than but there's nothing, there's no credit to that. Imagine instead if what we were doing was, uh, behold, all things are new. God's making all things new. Imagine if that was our starting point. Imagine if the, if the evangelical world, the Christian world, started with that. Hello? <laughs> Crickets? No? Like, imagine if we actually started with all things are being made new. Wow. Change you. How would that change me? But if there was this joy and this, uh, this hope that was deep within us, imagine if the disciples 
believed it. I think they did. I think the disciples believed it. I think that that uh, that uh, the early disciples preached it and moved in that spirit of Christ is making all things new. Everything is being made new, being redeemed. You know what the literal term resurrection means? Anastasis in Greek literally means a standing up of all things. It is to stand things up. It is to grab the hand of a person who has died. It is grabbing the hand of a person who down and who's hurting and it is to grab their hands and to stand them up and we do that in the name literally but also very much the spiritual meaning of in the name of jesus we're standing grabbing them by their hands and we're saying we are with you and we are calling you to rise up from the dead because christ is making all things new the resurrection isn't about hero worship. It's just resurrected. Yay. Woohoo. He's resurrected. He's our hero. Greatness by association. But it is greatness by imitation. I am also the Christ. Dare I say it? And you are the Christ. Now, how, why would we say that? Well, that's what Christian means. If you believe the literal term of Christian means little Christs. That's what you and me are. We're not Jesus. But we are embodying the Christ spirit. Spirit is within us and it is calling us by great to, to be, uh, be great by imitation, by calling all things to life again, by choosing life. Now, that means as well, that does mean that it's just like a walk in the park and it's lighthearted and it's not just optimism. And no. It's also pointing out when we are going in the places of darkness that we are choosing the hell of our own making and that then we call people out of that. Like this is not, you're going towards hell. Like this is, this is a direction that's going to destroy you, but you can rise because God has made you great and there's greatness already within you. There's Christ within you. Tune into that and stand eyes again. And begin to do the things that set other people free. So when it means to go to the cross, it means that when I want to act in vengeance, and it's within me to do so, whether aggressively, and most of the time, I'll speak for me, it's most of the time it's passive. It's a passive form of vengeance. But it's still vengeance. It's still anger. It's still, I've been hurt. And so I want you to hurt a little bit. And so I might even vent my hurt, my anger to other people. Not to hurt them, but as a way to kind of be, I don't know, exercise that anger. Exorcise it, meaning getting rid of it, but to exercise it, to actually feel its anger, to feel the wrath, to feel the, 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 the injustice. But to go to the cross means I say, no, 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 that's not the path of life. That is not. The resurrection life is I choose to forgive and release, and in that I rise to new life. But I also die to the ways that are familiar to me. That's what it means to die. The burial and resurrection of Jesus is not just some simple historical fact. It is an experience that you and I are invited into every single day. It is to die to the things that we would prefer doing when we know these things are harmful and they're bringing more darkness and more 
the world around us. And instead we choose, no, I choose the path of the cross and I choose the path of resurrection. And now I become an imitator of Christ by doing so. And then I reach out to others and I grab them by the hand and I say, stand up, Jesus. Stand up in the name of Jesus. And I begin to be one who participates in the resurrection of all things. So I have a few final questions for us. What forgiveness are you delaying? Because now I want to bring it into the present, into the practical, out of the conceptual and into the practical. What forgiveness right now are you delaying? That there's something you're giving yourself for, that you're beating yourself up over, over and over again. I have failed. I did this wrong. I and you're punishing yourself, meaning you're resisting, to, you're resisting resurrection life. Yourself, it's an act of trying to keep yourself in the grave. In what way are you not forgiving yourself? In what way are you not forgiving other people? Moment, resisting resurrection life. Could you choose maybe in this moment to say, I choose by faith, not by feeling. My feelings don't want to forgive, but I choose an act of faith to begin forgiveness towards resurrection. I want to be a I want to be with Christ. I want to join in in resurrection of all things. Now that may mean for, for some of you, I'm gonna let myself out of my own prison. The funny thing is you would think that everybody wants to. <laughs> You would think that everybody would like, you know, the intuition we have is like, well, wouldn't all of us want to be? But yeah, but think about you. Why are you beating yourself up? Why are you still choosing you, doing things that still harm you, things that are not good for you? Whether by the way you eat or the way you not exercise or the way you use your money or the way you take care of your, you know, rest or whatever else it is or. The way we interact with people, why is it that we choose paths that are destructive to us? And, and, and maybe we don't have answers for that, but we can choose life. We can say, yeah, I don't know today I want to choose life. I want to choose resurrection life. How many this morning would say with me, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want resurrection life. I choose resurrection life. I reaffirm, amen, amen. I'm loving this, the hands I'm seeing. Yes, I choose the path of resurrection. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things we will ever have to do, my friends. It seems so, and we love Easter because it's like, woohoo, resurrection, Jesus, yay. Now, doing it is really hard. So, another question what has been on my heart to do with my life that comes that comes from hope that comes from love why am i delaying it why am i delaying this dream that i've had it's been with me for a while but i seem to sabotage myself i seem to get started and i start and then i, I 
and I give up because life is hard, because things are hard. Yes, 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 they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. No condemnation to you or to me. It is hard. And we fall down so many times. The question is, though, saying it in this moment. And so maybe we don't have to. Maybe we don't have to wait until we're better, where we've got our lives sorted out, we've got it all figured out. Maybe we just begin by saying, yes, I'm going to start moving forward, doing the thing that's been on my heart to do. I've been thinking about this person that I should call and reach out to, but I've just not, yeah, I've just delayed it. I've been thinking about buying this thing for somebody because I know it's been on my heart to do. I've been thinking of starting this little thing, side thing, and um, I'm not doing, I've been thinking about starting this business that I think would be really good, but I'm, there's always a but, there's always a, a hesitancy and a resistance. Maybe today is the day that you say yes to resurrection life. I'm going to be part of resurrecting all things, making this world a better place. I'm going to be part of forgiveness, part of love, part of extending that to the I'm going to make peace. Peace with myself, peace with people. Thirdly, what pleasure am I delaying because I'm still a loss, a failure. What, what pleasure are you denying yourself? It's all part of the punishment that we sometimes do. And it shows up in so many ways. Can we enjoy the Like really enjoy them. Like slow down, as they say, and smell the flowers. Please slow down and just today on Easter. Can we slow down and just just taste and see that the Lord is good? Have you ever thought about that verse? Taste and see. If you have, maybe you've never heard of it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste. Consumption, quick consumption because I'm hungry. It's a savoring. Wow, this is good. And so what pleasures? Are you denying yourself because you have failed in some way, made a mistake in some, you know, at some point, or because it's not the time, I'm too busy, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got so much on my plate, and we just go through life so quickly. I, so resurrection, resurrection life. I'm going to start enjoying resurrection today. The resurrection of all things in this moment. Look what I have. Beautiful. So I get really wound up and excited about the idea of standing up of all things. Like that's such a cool thing for me. I don't know if it resonates the same with you, but like, like saying, stand up. It's been laying down. It's been underneath. It's been knocked down so many times, but we're going out and saying to our bodies, to our minds, to our hearts, and to the hearts and bodies and minds of other people, stand up in the name of Jesus, because resurrection is yours. Yeah. So good. So good to, to just sit with these thoughts about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of all things. Not just he is resurrected, 
but we are resurrected with him. With that, let's worship and let's taste and see that the Lord is good even right now in this moment.